Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Hidden Truths. And today we have Josh Barron, who is going to speak about what's happening in Europe and give us some information as far as sections, deployments of troops in Europe, movement on the Russian side. Hi, Josh. Lots going on today. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good. So from uh, European sanctions to the deployment of troops in Europe and the retreat of Russian troops, a lot is happening and there are some news today as well. So let's talk about that. Yes. If you remember our last video about this, we really talked about who was sanctioning what and why they were sanctioning because these sanctions were just coming on. So EU sanctions, like we said last time, come off December 5th. They won't be re-upped because they have to be voted on unanimously between all the NATO countries and Turkey won't vote for it. So the G7, if you remember, came out and said, hey, we're going to impose that embargo. And then any European country or any other NATO country that it cheats will feel the pressure of the G7 coming down. So that stuff is still in place, although we're getting closer to December 5th and we'll see if there's cheaters. Now, here's where it gets interesting. So if you remember, Nord 1 and Nord 2 got blown up in a terrorist style as Sweden had investigated in its crater. It didn't blow up from inside. So I think in the last talk, we were talking about how there was some American helicopters in that area at the time. It came out there was a story from the former prime minister, the prime minister of the UK that only lasted five days, Liz Truss. Somehow they had intercepted or hacked her email and found out that she had sent a text message saying it was done a few minutes after this explosion. This is in November, like November 1st is that Essentially, the Russians are accusing the UK of terrorist sabotage of their pipelines. And here's a quote from the evidence of that Britain is involved in sabotage. A terrorist act against vital energy infrastructure came from Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov, if I said his name right. They're accusing. What we don't know, and this is what I find interesting, is that behind the scenes, the US has been building up military in the area. The accusations are November 1st-ish, but on October 4th, and it was just a little headline, the Gerald Ford Carrier Group was deployed to the region. And there's a couple of reasons why this is interesting. The Gerald Ford Carrier is a brand new carrier. It's just, it would be its first deployment, has all kinds of fancy new gadgets on it that there's been lots of talk about problems and all kinds of stuff with it, but it's on its first deployment. It's going to do training and naval exercises with NATO countries along the way. I don't know if you know how big a carrier group is, but it's not a small group. It's not just the aircraft carrier itself. It's roughly 20 boats, destroyers. It's a big group, a big fleet of vessels. One, it's not cheap, but two, they're putting this carrier group out into these waters where they can essentially do airplane strikes and long-range strikes from October 4th. The next thing we noticed was on October 21st, the U.S. deployed the 101 Air Force Airborne Division. These are the guys that jump behind the lines in Normandy. These guys are badass. Yeah. And so they just got redeployed into the European structure. You have this where the U.S. is building up massive military capabilities in the region right now. It's interesting to not hear about this so much in the news. Yeah, it was very small snippets. Yeah. I trained myself to look for this kind of stuff over the years. This little small things tend to mean bigger things. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and 
I guess you can't really move a whole carrier group without people finding out. So throw it out there. Hey, we told you we're moving it. I think a carrier group's 9,000 people too, and 60 airplanes. A lot of moving pieces there. Then November 1st, again, we get back to November 1st, Biden sends troops inside of Ukraine as inspectors. He sent special forces in as inspectors. This bothered me, and I'll tell you why. JFK did this in Vietnam in May of 61. He sent 400 Green Beret in as special advisors to train the South Vietnamese on counterinsurgents. And that led to the Vietnam War. Again, I don't know why they're allowing special forces to go into the Ukraine. He doesn't have Congress's support for any of this. It seems somewhat of an act of war. But again, they've done it before, and maybe they're using that technique that they did before. Obviously, the military buildup says something here. Yeah, I mean, he mentioned that we'll be doing the meeting with Xi, right, in Thailand. Quick mention of what was going to happen with Ukraine, but not a lot of details there. Yeah, they glossed over it, which tells me that they have a more detailed plan. They just don't want to let that out. There was action. There was a Russian missile strike in Poland that killed two people today. That's throwing everybody up in arms because Section 4, it wasn't an attack on a NATO country or was it errant? Who knows? But it brings up the Section 4 idea that if you attack one NATO country, you attack them all. And we have Pentagon officials speaking about it and where everybody's talking to everybody. It if you look at, if you ask me, it looks like an air attack. They were firing missiles all over the country in Ukraine today, knocking out power and everything else. So it'll probably lead to nothing, but it's in the news today that there was this military missile attack on Poland. Yeah, it's worrisome when you see something like that. Obviously, it could have been a mistake, but the consequences, you never know what those can be. Yeah, and especially with all these troops in the area, right? And the military power of carrier groups can could be very severe. I did find it interesting that if UK did, why did they brick blow up Nord 1 and 2? And it makes sense if you're, know these sanctions are coming off, that's why I mentioned them December 5th and that everybody was going to cheat, that a G7 country might blow up the pipelines and say, you can try to cheat, but the gas flow isn't going to be there. It does make some kind of sense that a G7 type country would have done that. Yeah, that's very probable. Who knows? Yeah. Let's talk about the troop movements because what's gone on is there's been all this media talk about these major wins for Ukraine as Russia's losing this territory. But when we look at it, it looks a little bit different. I sent you some photos of it. Essentially, it looks like Russia is preparing for winter and backing out of positions that they know aren't very defendable in wintertime. This Kyrgyzstan, and I'm sorry if I, I mispronounced that, city loss, this is on the west side of the and I can't say it, the Dnieper River. Essentially, the Ukrainians with American weapons were blowing up the bridges or putting holes in the bridges. And so the Russians said, look, those people, our troops are going to get stuck on that side of the river during the winter. So they just kind of gave up and pulled back. And if you look at the charts I sent you, you can see that. So I wouldn't view it as a win. It just seems the Russians are pulling back for winter. Ukraine is a hard place to fight a ground war in the winter. You get tanks stuck, that kind of thing. So nobody wants to do it. It's why they originally invaded when they did, because they knew they could wage war for a few months. I think they all believed that they were going to take it much faster than they did. Looks like they're pulling back for that 
just to hold their positions during winter. Yeah, I'm sure they're also experiencing a lot of Russian soldiers or young Russian men leaving the country because they don't want to fight. You hear that almost on a daily basis. Yeah, I was talking to somebody earlier in the week and we were talking about this. And it seems a little odd that you would fight World War II style tactics in this day and age, but essentially that's what they're doing. Maybe they don't care about the loss of life of the Russian soldier, but the tactics seem very old and stale. It makes you wonder about the actual power of the Soviet military force itself. Yeah, it's true. Very true. Yeah. Let's talk about Europe here because that's what's being affected. Protests in Europe continue and with good reason. Inflation in Germany is over 10.4, You have essentially German unions calling strikes on big companies like Airbus over wages and living conditions because they can't afford to keep up with the cost of energy and food rises. Same thing is going on in France, although the inflation rate in France is much lower. I want to say that is because France has more refining capacity and more nuclear capacity that they can use. But around 45% of France's oil refining capacity remains offline because there was a worker strike and some of these things take a little time to get back online. There's a worker strike that they ended. Again, it was about living wages that ended in mid-October. So they're still without some oil capacity there. Yeah, and that can change very quickly. In France, strikes are just something they do on a regular basis. It's part of the culture. Yeah, a a little bit different than here. UK, 10.1% inflation. Communication workers are are striking in the end of November, early December. Again, same thing. The cost of energy, the cost of living is too high, and they haven't kept up. Italy's inflation, I just mentioned, is 12%. Italy had an election. They went really right, and we'll see how that plays out in the things to come. I read an article where they were going to go to Russia direct and see if they can negotiate gas deals directly with Russia. That whole anti-Russian, pro-Ukraine seems like it's falling apart in Europe. I think that as they get colder, that they won't care so much about Ukraine. They'll be more interested in the gas. From a German's perspective, they were so ingrained never to become the Weimar Republic again that essentially they became the Weimar Republic again, and they essentially are beholden to Russian oil and gas. They'll have to face that here fairly quickly as oil stocks, as soon as it gets cold, will diminish quickly in Europe. That's obviously not happening. Are there any consequences as far as the stock market is concerned? Any recommendations as to what to leverage and potentially take advantage of here? Yeah, there's a couple plays. There's some currency stuff going on. Part of that is the Federal Reserve in the U.S. remaining really hawkish has caused problems in the currencies in other places. The Bank of England had to come in and do a currency action. They also had to bill out a pension that had liquidity problems because of their actions to increase rates in that country. ECB is having had to come and intervene in foreign markets as some of its constituents' bonds got a little bit too expensive and rolled out. And so they had to sell boons and, and buy those to bring the yields back into place. Remind us what is ECB, Josh? The European Central Bank. As yields go, let's just go over a couple 10-year yields I have. The yeah. German 10-year yield is 212 The U.S. 10-year yield is 3.78, and the U.K. 10-year yield is 3.28. So you can see that the U.S. is really 
out ahead of these countries. And that's causing a very strong dollar and them having to come in and do things in their currencies, like sell treasuries, buy their own currencies back. And ECB looks to be behind the curve the most, and they'll catch up here as they have big 75-point rate hikes on schedule to happen. So what you've seen is the dollar's gotten a little bit weaker as they've interacted in their currencies to bring strength. That's what they were trying to do. And so currently the euro dollar is at 104, but I have a feeling that might peak out a little bit between here and 108. And then as the economic crisis part starts affecting the world, you'll see that the dollar will gain strength against the euro just because our economy is going to end up being a much better position than theirs. We've had, our inflation is rolling off, why theirs is still rolling on. And I think that'll be a big effect here going forward. Yeah, for sure. Interesting. So, I mean, in times of inflation or disinflation, deflation, lots of different words have been used lately. Now, what is it that you recommend people to focus on as far as their investments are concerned? I know you cannot give a lot of details, but I hear a lot of people saying it's time to buy gold, it's time to buy silver, it's time to invest maybe in in energy, anything you can talk about here. Yes, the downward risk of the bond market is dissipating. We view that there's a lot of opportunity in the bond market here, not just six months, but over the next year and a half. That'll be where you want to be. The U.S. equity market, you need to see the Fed cut rates before you'll see the equity markets bottom out. And until you see that, you're going to get this up and down market that we're kind of seeing now with the big extremes of volatility, just because it's fairly simple. As the economy gets more in recession here, those equities, their revenue lines are shrinking. From an investor standpoint, there better be a good reason why I'm buying an equity with a shrinking top line. There's reasons for that. I could be getting it at a big enough discount or they're paying me enough in dividend yield to stay there. But again, in a volatile market, You really have to pick and choose those points when you get into the equity markets. Now, the natural gas market in this country seems fairly good to me. Right now, to report these Louisiana's closed, so the gas prices are down because, again, we're not exporting. That's where we export natural gas through that port. It is closed for maintenance reasons. As that port opens back up, you'll see natural gas go back up two, three dollars a unit. And as we start exporting back to Europe, as their stores become depleted as it gets cold over there. That seems like a decent trade to me. The energy market, just as we didn't get the red wave that we thought we were going to get, seems like the energy market will stay on the high side because there won't be as much exploration in this country for it. From a pricing aspect, that looks pretty decent to me as well. That's great advice. And also, Josh, can you speak about the free portfolio analysis that you offer to people? Because now I think is the time when you have such a high level of fluctuation of uncertainty. It is a time to look at your investment portfolio again, right? Yeah. So we're willing to look at anybody's portfolio for free, take a glance at it, give some recommendations, run it through some modeling and to see where that person's at comparatively to their age and what they should do differently if they're not in a great position. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Great information as usual. Let's make sure we stay on top of what's happening in Europe as it's obviously lots of tension there that we need to stay aware of.
Yep. Yeah. Well, and it matters. It does matter. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Please uh, go to the website, uh, Hidden Truth, that today we publish our videos and our blogs and our podcasts there on a regular basis. Also, remember to subscribe to our channel so that you get information directly into your inbox. Thanks again and see you next time.